This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated, all the way from the northwest to the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles. Uh, It is such a great time to be out driving. We've seen sunshine. We're emerging from uh, what has been probably the most nasty winter Uh, I can remember, for a very long time. So polishing up the all-wheel drives, thinking about doing a little bit of driving, uh, maybe if you have a soft top, getting it all ready to go, because April is National Car Care Month. We are a greedy nation, by the way. We have two National Car Care Months. Not sure if you knew that. Um, We have April, which is National Car Care Month, and then there is what we like to call Fall Car Care Month. Um, so we don't have two National Car Care Months, I guess. Uh, properly speaking, we have one National Car Care Month and then another National Car Care Month in the fall, where you should more like winterize your... Why am I talking about fall? How depressing. Uh, why you should winterize your vehicle a little more. Uh, so National Car Care Month. We'll be celebrating somewhat of that today on the show. Uh, Jeff Zershmead will be joining us to talk about... You know, sprucing up your car for spring, getting it ready for doing a little. Uh, I'm watching all my friends do their posts on social media about getting their cars ready for spring, doing oil changes and that sort of thing. Maybe in my younger days, I'd have busted out the car care kits. I feel like I'm a little lazier now. A wash and a wax? Yes. Oil changes? I don't know. I don't enjoy it as much as I used to doing all of the changing things and bits and pieces it gets a lot more complicated it's fun in older vehicles but new vehicles mm, a lot more things that go places i don't understand they get a lot more complicated that's why it's fun to work on older cars a packed show for you today uh we're going to be talking about an suv that blows your mind mercedes-benz have another member of their amg family i guess you have to call it mercedes amg uh interestingly i found this out a while ago, but you have to technically get the names of Mercedes vehicles correct. So, if it's an AMG, it's a Mercedes AMG. If it's a Mercedes Benz, it's just a member of the beginner family. Sounds rude, doesn't it? But it's a member of the regular family. If it's an electric vehicle, it is whatever the name of the vehicle is, like the EQS by Mercedes EQ. And then if it's a Maybach, it's a Mercedes Maybach, not a Mercedes-Benz Maybach, but it's a Mercedes Maybach. Maybach. Sounds like I'm sick, doesn't it? Mercedes Maybach. So uh, you have to get it right. The Germans don't like you if you don't say it correctly. You get gespanken. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the uh, GLE 63. If you thought SUVs were soccer mom cars, you are incorrect, my friend because they definitely are not soccer mom cars. Uh, This is an SUV that I thrill myself in every time I put my 
uh, foot down on the floor. Many uh, have done this, and the earliest one I can find is 1984, doing special editions. That was called the Mini 20. But they do special editions probably once or twice a year. They do limited numbers of these vehicles, and their value seems to increase. I saw a Mini Park Lane at the New York uh, Auto Show, I think three years ago. It was actually at the dealership during the show. And uh, they wanted an incredible, incredibly large amount of money for it because there was very few left of the Park Lane special editions. Well, many have uh, come up with another special edition called the Boardwalk. We're going to find out all about that on today's show. Um, I drove in the new Cadillac CT5. Uh, we're going to find out about that on today's show from Cadillac. I will say... When sedans are on a massive decline in the United States and Americans are poo-pooing sedans when they're done with the sedans, uh, Cadillac have brought out their best sedans ever. A uh, vehicle I say I will own, probably going to call me a liar now. Everyone's going to call me a liar now because I say this all the time. The Jeep 392. Uh, this has a Hellcat engine in it. It's a Wrangler, a Jeep Wrangler with a Hellcat engine in it, 470 horsepower. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you have spouse problems, but I do definitely after bringing this home. Uh, I didn't own it. I had a test drive for a week, actually a weekend. It has a button in it that allows the exhaust to get loud, and the whole house vibrated. And I was, I was not a friend at home. I was like, turn that off. It sounds like it needs to go in the shop and be fixed. What's going on in the electric car world? We'll find out about that. And plus... Of course, we're in amongst the end of April. It's my birthday, by the way, on Thursday. Um, but amongst the end of April is uh, Earth Day. And so they, they ruin, you know, uh, um, the end of April by having Earth Day. I wish they could have it some other time. Uh, because that's obviously the end of, you know, my birthday is around the end of April. So I have to celebrate it with everybody that loves the Earth. I mean, I do love the Earth. But uh, it, it ruins my birthday month because I have to celebrate the Earth's birthday as well. Can we move it to March? I think Earth Day should be March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, Green Day. See? See what I'm doing there? Green, St. Patrick's, Earth Day. No, it has to be in April. Uh, so Earth Day, there's a lot of electric cars coming out. And, and Washington State is trying to jump ahead of California uh, with green cars. Uh, and there's huge amounts of new green cars coming out. Uh, the new EQS I saw in Hollywood uh, last week, that is Mercedes' very first uh, specially built electric vehicle. It's a sedan. It's built, uh, it's the electric S-Class, I guess you would call it. Here's the interesting thing about it. They don't have American numbers yet for this vehicle, but they do have the German numbers. And in Germany, it's rated at 770 kilometers on a single charge. High school math, I mean, carry the seven. Da, da, da. That's 478 miles on a single charge. Let me just say that again. 478 miles on a single charge on an electric car. Yeah, you're as surprised as I am. However, America hasn't done their numbers yet. Even if, you know, you take off a huge number, even if it's 400, that's pretty good for an electric vehicle. And here's some more astounding numbers about the EQS. On a 15-minute charge at level two, 15 minutes. That's probably in and out of Starbucks, drink your coffee, 150 miles on 15 minutes at a level two. That's pretty good, too. So electric cars are jumping way ahead. Uh, the new Cadillac Lyric being announced on Monday. 
uh, a lot of new electric cars. Toyota have a new electric car. Lexus have new ones. The Shanghai Auto Show's got a bunch of new electric cars being announced. I did notice a story um, on the web today that talks about the cheapest General Motors car was announced at the Shanghai Auto Show. It's not available in the United States. I think it's about $5,000, and it's this little two-seater electric vehicle. The reason we don't sell it in the United States, or General Motors don't sell it in the United States, safety. I want a $5,000 car. Safety, they say. Oh, well. Just have to pay $35,000 for a car. Uh, it looks really exciting, so we're talking about that. Uh, by the way, I drove, or I have been driving this week as well, the uh, Hyundai Venue, which is a really interesting vehicle. Um, if you're looking for that 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty and... Hyundai are now providing all of their maintenance. They say it's maintenance on us. Uh, they provide all the maintenance. And starting at $18,750, I think this is quite a bargain for most families. Uh, 33 miles a gallon on the highway is what they rated at, 121 horsepower. And even a snow mode, if you should happen to live somewhere that it snows, uh, it's uh, actually a good deal on a very small F SUV, uh, really built to sort of conquer the city and uh, a good lifestyle. I would tell you, I'm not sure. It's good for a small, young family if you don't have big teenagers, if you have fairly small children, uh, probably up to about 14. You know, you could get adults in it. I mean, it would be comfortable as long as you don't have long drives. 17-inch uh, wheels. It does have a what I call a really nice uh, denim package, which is a launch package, a white roof and a sort of a denim color. And the interior is really nice as well. I mean, I just like the fact that they're offering the maintenance on it. They're offering, it's very nicely designed. It's got a sort of a straight up front. I hate the SUVs that look like dead fish. I've said that a hundred times, but when an SUV looks like a dead fish, I'm kind of done with it. Uh, lots of trim levels. There's the SE, the uh, SEL. And then, of course, the denim one, which we just mentioned when it comes to trim level. Um, and, you know, even the top denim trim level is $22,050, uh, which is not a bad deal. Um, and I'm honestly, 8-inch touchscreen in the top top trim level, um, you can get it for $159 a month on lease. It has Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. Oh, both of them. I think they both come in. And the Blue Link system from uh, Hyundai it also has plenty of trunk space and drives very well. Um, and the snow mode, I think, is great. I mean, you're not going to go transverse big snow banks with it. LED lights. Uh, it, the front, I think, looks very Land Rover-ish. Uh, helps you keep your eye on the road with anti-distraction um, technology. And comes in lots of bright colors. I think it's a great family um vehicle forward collision avoidance systems with pedestrian detection driver attention warning uh, as well as blind spot and it has that driver attention warning by the way which we, the new hyundai tucson has which i drove this week has a wheel like a donut on the inside and the donut uh it's like a well let's say it's more like a pie and you lose the less attention you pay you lose pieces of the pie until it marks it red and then tells you you should be paying more attention it actually works because i was trying to pay more attention uh, as the pie got smaller. But I am annoyed because I feel like my mum was sitting in the car telling me that I should be paying more attention. That's the new Hyundai Tucson. It's the one where the, the uh, daytime running lights are embedded in the grill as well as the turn signals. And, by the way, I saw this week 
the new Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is their truck, uh, their brand new truck. Which was, oh, you're not allowed to call it a truck. It's called a sports activity vehicle. That's right. No truck, bad boy. All right, all that coming up on Our Auto Expert. More here, coming up soon. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Kerry Richardson joins us to talk about a vehicle that I lovingly call the Wake Up Call for Soccer Moms, the Mercedes AMG GLE 63. Uh, Kerry, I recently had this out of the press fleet. And one of the things I like to do when I have any AMG out of the press fleet, because most of my friends don't really realize, I mean, they're not that conscious of AMGs. My car friends are, but most of my friends aren't conscious of, you know, they see the Mercedes badge. They don't necessarily look carefully and see the AMG badge. And they're not that astute to notice all the beautiful trim extras, the wheel extras, the slight body changes, the more aggressive front, which my car friends are, but... My general friends aren't, and I like to sit them in it and get to a light or a free ray on ramp and switch it into S plus, and then accidentally floor it and watch the uh, watch the reaction. And it's very enjoyable. Do you do the same with your friends? I absolutely do. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. SUV as well, you know, what I would call a sleeper, where it looks very kind of um, disalarming or unalarming on the exterior, but it has so much power. And this this is one of my absolute favorite models. Um, you know, one of the first times that our handcrafted four-liter V8 is combined with the EQ Boost starter generator. So it has a lot of power under the hood, which we're always <laughs> excited to have with AMG. I really like to, and this is one of the things that's so much fun about uh, the handcrafted V8s under the hood. I like to lift it up and have a look at the little nameplate that um, the AMG team puts on the hood for the individuals that handcraft the engine because they obviously sign those nameplates and they they or they obviously manufactured with their signature and they're put on the hood and see if i recognize i've had a car from them before but you know i never can remember who did the last one so i do film them occasionally and then i should should really go back in the archives and see if um if i remember any of the names i've met some of the people at the amg factory uh before who've handcrafted and they're Interestingly enough, a lot of the guys that handcraft these engines, I always see them as, you know, in my head as sort of 65-year-old engineers that have worked their whole lives. At the, but they're not. They're, a lot of these guys are fairly young. They're in their 20s. Uh, they may have uh, come out of engineering school very recently. Um, and interestingly enough, they don't sort of work on their own. They work with somebody who monitors them all the whole time. It's it's very different than I imagined in my head. Have you, have you been to the factory and watched it happen? I have. I have. And actually, what I was going to say is, um, before you mentioned it, yeah, it would be a good thing, a, a great thing, actually, for you to record the, the names that you have. And then whenever you get a chance, just like all of our other AMG customers, head over to the factory in a Baltabach and, you know, spend a day with them, which, which is a great experience. Um, and just like you mentioned, you know, these are master engineers and you know we stick to a very um strict <laughs> um, type of uh level of craftsmanship when it comes to the handcrafted engine so it's it's great to be able to see the person that you know helped accelerate or produce your your model 
That's really funny. Cool. So what I'm going to do from now on is every time I get an AMG vehicle, I'm going to take a picture of the nameplate and the vehicle and keep it in a special yeah. file on my phone or on the cloud. And the next time I get to a chance to go to uh, the uh, to Alderbach, I'm going to actually show you know show everybody and see if anybody's working that I have a picture yeah. of, and then you know we can have lunch together and I can judge them. No, I'm just kidding. I could talk to them and, uh, you know, find out more about the vehicles. Uh, tell us something about the 63, the GLE 63, uh, because this vehicle is, as you said, the sleeper. Its performance numbers are closer to a race car than an SUV. Yeah, most definitely. So the GLE 63S SUV um, has 603 horsepower and 627 pound-feet of torque. So it's, like I said before, a really powerful vehicle. Um, it has a top speed of 174, and it comes with the high-performance summer tires. Um, the 0 to 60 in this amazing vehicle is 3.7 seconds, and, you know, we inevitably. Um, also, one really special feature about the 63S that kind of differentiates it from the 53 model is that it does have the AMG Active Ride Control Suspension Standard. Yeah. And so what... Is, I'm sure you felt it on all of the curves it's taken. Yes, yes. But it really compensates for the body movements of the different road conditions. So it uses two um, actuators, and it stabilizes the, the, the ride extremely well to where you it reduces the body roll, and even when you're going over a speed bump, it really reduces the amount of lift that the, the car has. So it's one of my absolute favorite features, um, and it's standard with the 63S models, which is a great differentiator. The only thing it does is it makes it harder for me to to make people throw up in the car. But I guess that was probably the whole point. That was the point. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about price? So price for the 63 S SUV is one thirteen nine fifty. Um, and then if you you know want to spend a few more bucks, we do have a coupe model as well, and that's one sixteen. Should I tell you? Um, I'm actually a bigger fan of the coupe. I think the the coupe is a little more sexy, but you're either a fan of the coupe or you're not. I found people are very very divided, coupe fan or not coupe fan. There is usually not that many people that that like both. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting um, dynamic between the two. You know, one is a, a bit more personality, and I said, like I said, one is uh, the SUV is more of a sleeper vehicle. So um, it it really, I could definitely see you being a fan of the coupe um, <laughs> with your big personality. I'm scared. I'm scared that you know me that well. <laughs> we have something for everyone, so that's that's the point of those those, those two offerings. And I think uh, the the most exciting thing about AMG is that I think your performance is only going to get better as as electric becomes more prominent in the world. Um, I just see how you guys are going to start incorporating electric into your vehicles and making more horsepower and more performance. Um, and I'm starting to imagine what AMGs of the future are going to be like. Yeah, I mean, as we've seen with the AMG One, we're really taking some of that. I mean, even with the 63F model car, we're taking some of that hybridized technology in order to enhance the performance of the vehicles. We're really, really seeing um, it take off for AMG. And so we're excited to see what comes in the future. Kerry, it's always an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. If you want to go get a thrilling SUV, get the coupe. Get an, uh, go test drive an AMG uh, 63, the GLE version. It is a thrill. And plus, you get the benefit of scaring your uh, friends when you take off from a traffic light. More Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by. Here it comes.
You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a car question. Just direct messages at our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, April, Car Care Month. It's National Car Care Month, not just Car Care Month, period, but National Car Care Month. We're a greedy bunch of people. Do you know that? Car people. We have National Car Care Month in April, and in October is Fall Car Care Month. We don't just get one month, we get two, because we like car care. Well, some of us like car care, especially Jeff Zershmeen. He likes car care. Uh, Jeff, car care month is when those people that have oil between their nail and fingernail like to get into their car and do maintenance things. Uh, do you do the uh, the oily oil change and uh, take care of your vehicles yourself, or do you have somebody come in and do it for you? Uh, that depends. Um you know, I uh, I will be doing some car care this afternoon, but it, uh, I will I will be doing it on my daughter's car. Um, <laughs> so I you just, do I your went out this morning. You do your daughter's yeah. car care. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's one of the privileges of being a dad. Um, you uh, uh, so this morning I went out and I I got uh, all three drive belts, and this is this is what I had determined to talk about today. Is um, uh, over the winter, uh, you know, the cold and everything uh, really takes its toll on your car's accessory drive belts. And whether it's a serpentine belt or a number of different V-belts, um, you know, if your car has started to do that squeal uh, when you first fire it up in the morning yeah. or when you're driving down the road, um, you know, now you're here in Car Care Month is a great time to replace those belts. And uh, it's it's easy enough. Most people can do it uh, in their in their driveway. Um, save a little bit of money doing that, and uh, that's what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. Excellent. Um, can you be my dad too? Yeah, absolutely. I'll swing by your dad's house. <laughs> no, no, I want you to be my dad so you can do my car. Oh, oh, can I? Oh, oh, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Yes, I can. I can not only be your dad, I can actually do the car work on your real dad's car. <laughs> the, uh, I'm always a little afraid because, you know, when, I think my oldest car is 2016. And, I, you know, they, they look, I mean, older cars, it seems easier to do. But as cars get more modern, it's, it's more frightening, don't you think? You know, the, the funny thing is, um, a modern, most modern cars have what's called a, a serpentine belt, which is just one belt. It sort of, as the name implies, it snakes around uh, the, the front of the engine to, to drive the power steering, the air conditioning, the alternator, and, and all of that stuff. And those are actually, in, in my experience, much easier to get, to get done right than, than the old V-belts. Because the old V-belts, you had to, like, you know, wedge a big screwdriver in there or something and pull the alternator out to, to set the tension on the belt. And, and you were never quite sure if you got it too tight or not tight enough, and uh, the modern uh, uh, serpentine belts, they have a little tensioner that you, you stick a, a, a socket wrench into it, and then you pull, and it, um, and, it will, uh, and it will release tension on the whole thing. You take it out. There's usually a map right there on the front of the engine for how the serpentine belt goes in. You just snake it around, and then you, you uh, uh, pull that tensioner again, put the, put the belt around the tensioner, and let it go, and you're done. And oh. the tension is right, and everything is good. And I would much rather do a serpentine belt than two or three non-serpentines. My, 
I'm not as afraid anymore as I was when I started this segment. Don't uh, be do- afraid. Just dive in and do it. <laughs> it doesn't seem that uh, that absolutely that as hard as it was. I, I think a lot of people, uh, depending on what make and model of car you have, a lot of people, you know, they'll buy a Toyota and they won't change the oil for like 50,000 miles because they right. just can't be bothered. But that's, you know, then you're just shortening the life of your vehicle. Well, yeah, you want to be, you know, stay up to date on all of those uh, on all of those uh, services. And, uh, you know, as you know, I, I bought a Mercedes. And when the little, when the dash comes on and says, it's time to go in for your, you know, number one or number two, I think they call them A and B in Mercedes service. I just make that appointment with the dealer and take it in. I don't, I don't screw around with that. Um, older cars for an oil change, you know, I've really gone to just using the, uh, the in and out oil change places, uh, you know, various different brands, depending on where I am, uh, just because they make it so easy. They use quality products. There's, there's no reason not to with that. Um, and disposing of used motor oil is a drag anyway. Yeah. And, and, and that's good. I just do, you know, I've started to think about some of the things we've talked about maintenance in the past. And I do remember when you had your model T, it was a model T you uh-huh. had, right? Your, 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 <laughs> yes, ma- your maintenance involved, uh, I think a hammer and a, a screwdriver. Was that it? Well, the the the, uh, the old size. There's there's nothing you can't fix on a Model T with a crescent wrench, a big flathead screwdriver, and a hammer. Yeah. Um, but we didn't actually use that to to change the oil or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but you certainly could. Yeah. No. It's it's that that's funny to me because i just think of you bashing the things and yeah, anyway that's probably not the, what you want to do with a, a more modern car no no your modern cars uh you know the there are, there are things that that you can conveniently do yourself there are things that it's that you don't save a lot of money uh by doing yourself anymore the way you used to um and you know i would i would put oil changes in in one of those uh categories because if you're buying the the modern synthetic oil you're up Oh, it sounds like we lost Jeff. There you go. I mean, thank you, Jeff. (laughs) We'll try and get Jeff back. Uh, I also, uh, one of the things that I think is very, very important with your vehicles is to make sure that you put the right stuff in the vehicle. And that is uh, you put the right oil in the vehicle and you put the right uh, fluids in the vehicle. Uh, and what is recommended for the vehicle because a lot of times people just put in that you can go to the store and buy fluids to top up that you want and not put the right stuff in and it doesn't do the engine any good to put the incorrect fluids oil uh, even gas in an engine it's whatever is recommended because the engine runs better jeff the question is do you Hmm. put synthetic oil or uh, r- regular oil in what's what's better? Oh, I I use synthetic for everything these days. Yes. Um, uh, you know they used to they there used to be all these rumors that went around about oh you put synthetic in a car that's had old oil and it you know dinosaur oil in it and and it will leak and and that's just not true certainly not anymore and your modern cars modern engines ninety percent of what's out there um, you're going to want uh, just a modern synthetic motor oil um in there uh every time yeah and and it lasts a lot longer doesn't it 
Well, it it uh, it'll last longer. It'll last the length. If your car is designed for it, and and mostly if you buy a modern car, you'll look on your owner's manual and follow the recommendations that are there, um, and it'll tell you you only have to change your oil every seventy five hundred miles, or sometimes even fifteen thousand miles. And it's safe to follow that, provided you're using the oil they recommend, and that's almost always going to be synthetic. Um, the, the exception is for older cars made before 1975, uh, they need some zinc in the oil. And uh, that was just something that was in the oil when, when they were made. They were designed to use that uh, to lubricate the metal parts in the engine. And if you don't have it, they can wear down very quickly. But if you use that zinc oil, and you have to go buy it special at the you know, auto parts store, um, if you use that in any car made after 1975, it will destroy the catalytic converter. So oh. there's very much a, 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 a break point there. I like uh, the Car Care National site. It has a different version of a Car Care uh, manual for Canadians, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I wonder why. It's a 75. I mean, it has a Spanish version, but it has a 75-page guide. You can go to uh, the, the Car Care, uh, car care Guide dot org to get your version if you want they can give you a step-by-step uh, version of how to go through this what about diesels is this something you just stay away from because i know modern diesels need a lot more technical work because they have spritzer ammonia spritzers and that that's that's a whole whole thing there's, there's yeah the, the 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 if you have a, a modern diesel with diesel exhaust fluid uh you know you keep it topped up and, and it really shouldn't be that different from driving uh, any other gas-powered car. Um, you do your oil changes, you top up your, your diesel exhaust fluid, and uh, you should be good to go. Uh, Jeff, it, thank you for your help with this. Carcare.org is the place you can go to get a guide. Jeff, where can we read your stuff? You can read me every week in the Portland Tribune. That's portlandtribune.com. Look down the right-hand side and click on Wheels. And uh, also, you are the editor of uh, the, the Mercedes magazine as well. That's, that is also true. If you are a member of the Mercedes-Benz Club of America, uh, you get the star as your uh, membership magazine. And uh, I am the editor-in-chief of that publication. All right. It's, it's a fun read, too, because there's lots of great historic yeah. stories as well in the star. Uh, Jeff Zershmi, yeah. thanks, thanks very much for uh, telling us all about Car Care Month and making sure that we could uh, take care of our vehicles. Still to come on the show, we're going to find out about this uh, special edition Mini that uh, has just been announced, as well as the vehicle I drove in today, which is the Cadillac CT5. As sedans start to shrink in the marketplace, this is one of those vehicles that isn't shrinking uh, whatsoever. Uh, it's uh, probably the best sedan that Cadillac have ever made. And uh, the Jeep 392, it's the big muscle Jeep that everybody's been talking about. 470 horsepower out of a Wrangler, and it makes such a noise and is so much fun to drive on-road. Uh, get it off-road, and you will be absolutely surprised. It is a complete jaw-dropper. Plus, the first quarter in Europe and Volkswagen has resumed mass deliveries of the ID4, which is now being augmented with Skoda's sister vehicle. Their sales are through the roof, and we'll find out about how Washington races ahead of California. You're listening to Our Auto Expert.
Over the last uh, few months, our podcast has grown. Over 12,000 people have downloaded our Auto Expert and many more streamers. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert Radio Show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert. If you go on Wikipedia, there are pages and pages of special editions of mini cars and every special edition seems to be increasing in value the first one i could find is 1984 it's the mini 20 pat mckenna is the head of marketing and product planning for mini and for 2022 mini uh, introduced the uh, countryman boardwalk edition and pat's going to tell us why this is a special edition. I like. Uh, I remember Pat going to the New York Auto Show, I think it was probably three years ago, and seeing a prestige Park Lane um, mini special edition sitting in the dealership, and I wanted to drive it home. But I think they wanted an incredible amount of money for it because they seem to sort of increase in value every time you do a special edition, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and my, uh, to give myself as a case in point, I'm kind of in the search for a, a white silver edition Clubman that I drove as my company car back in 2012. Wow. I'm in, so I'm in the hunt trying to get a specific special edition, but they are, uh, they're unique and they're, you know, what really sets them apart. They usually have a unique color. In this case, the boardwalk edition, there, there'll be 400 coming to the U S um, and that's, that's in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of cars to cover the entire United States. So they're special, they're bespoke, they have a lot of unique features in addition to the color. Uh, they have insignias around the car. Um, and this one happens to be inspired by your, your home country and the <laughs> boardwalk promenade, the traditional British seaside towns, which yeah. you know more about than I do, certainly. Yeah, well, they definitely have a lot of fatty foods available. That's all I remember about <laughs> seaside town, fish and chips and things. I, the names are always a special part of these collection. I mean, you know, like, I mean, there is a whole London collection, right? The Mayfair, the Ritz, the Chelsea, the Piccadilly, mm -hmm. the Park Lane. And I think yeah. I, one of those things about them, too, is they're not all, they're not all available in every country. I mean, some were available just in Japan, um, some were available over a, a longer time, like 82 to 96, and some were available for just a year. Um, so uh, hopefully the boardwalk, I mean, you know, there's only 400. It was probably just going to be a very limited time for this. So tell us a little about what it comes with and, and what's special about it. Sure, absolutely. Well, one of the most, uh, I would say, famous special editions was the sidewalk edition on the first-generation convertible. And we came out with that last year. And it has this very special color, Deep Laguna Metallic. And I've been thinking about this all morning. To describe that to your radio audience, it's probably a cross between teal, like aqua, and a navy blue. So it's got this beautiful color. And that color we used on the sidewalk convertible, we brought that color into the Countryman, and that's our boardwalk edition. We out, uh, outfit the car with black accents and the wheels, the trim. It's a really sharp-looking car, and then we put Harman Kardon audio in it, Sirius satellite radio, heated seats, auto climate. Uh, so it's a really well-appointed car as well, but it's really fantastic-looking uh, and unique. I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and it, I like the stealth look. I mean, it looks very stealthy. 
yeah. and especially when you have the S, of course, it has the red S right in the black grill, which is always sort of sexy. Yeah, it's a you know, and it's it's interesting because I, I've been at Mini for about ten years now, and I can spot the special editions always. You know, each one of these is really, you know, the designers really do nice touches with them and in, in bringing the insignias in. The logo for this particular car is literally the boards, the intersecting boards, longitudinally and latitudinally uh, that lay out on those British seaside towns. And, right. You know, there's that thoughtfulness that goes into these small elements that you appreciate for years and years to come. Uh, special editions are often fairly packed with uh, sort of extras as well. I mean, just apart from the way they look, they're well kitted out um, with with stuff. You don't I mean they're not stripped down models, are they? No, definitely not. And um, you know, sometimes we'll we'll play around with some you know, very basically equipped cars, but that's, you know, that will be like a 1499 GT. So a three cylinder Cooper hard top, you know, with a manual transmission. This one is really more uh, opulent, if you will, for a mini. This one is very well fitted um, to use your term. And it's, you know, it's got, it's got beautiful leather, uh, you know, punch seats. So, you know, really beautiful interior, these nice accents, but it really does have this stealth look, you know, that all the accents, uh, almost all of them are, are black. So it gives this really nice, uh, kind of modern look to the car. And, and this design of the countryman really has only been around, you know, since last summer. So it's still a very fresh design of the exterior of the car. And of course, led headlights to give it that kind of sharp, sharp look at night. Uh, so it's really quite handsome mini in my biased opinion. <laughs> I don't think there's an ugly mini, is there? Some, some people might say the roadster was like ugly, but I actually thought the roadster was one of the best looking minis out there. Uh, there's only 116 mini dealers. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be fighting. Their maximum is probably going to get one or maybe two each, um, at the most, uh, and if you want one, you know, we're going to have to fight over it too, I guess. This is the month to go order it. Uh, they're arriving right now, uh, sort of just under $40,000, I think, the price. Yeah, it starts at 38365 uh for the front-wheel drive Cooper S, and then 40365 for the all-wheel, all four all-wheel drive. Uh, so two choices, and they're very well outfitted. But you know, for everyone else, if, if an entry-level uh, countryman starts even down at 26500 for our Oxford edition. So we really run a full, a full gamut here of choices. Yeah, and the Oxford edition is, I think, the best value Mini out there. I mean, people always say to me, oh, I can't afford a, video, a Mini. And I said, yeah, wait till you look at the Oxford edition. That's probably the, one of the best value vehicles for the same interior size as a RAV4. And the equipment is just ridiculous what you can get inside those vehicles. So, um, yeah, what we, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, there's a Mini for everybody. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, do, you think, do you think if someone goes into a Mini dealer now, there's a chance of getting one of these boardwalk editions? Absolutely, especially uh, where you are on the West Coast. So these started production uh, in March. So they're starting to land here on the East coast now here in April and probably next month on the West coast. So definitely get your orders in. Um, because this is the type of car, this, I'll tell you a funny story. When customers are there, when the truck comes in and the car like this comes off the carrier, they usually will buy it right there on the spot. 
I know. That's how it always works. <laughs> oh, what's that? I'll take it. Uh, Pat, yeah. it's always great to talk to you on the show. Um, I can't wait until we see each other again. This COVID has been a pain in everybody's backside because you don't get to hang out with your car friends. But maybe we'll get to do Mini Takes the States next year. We've got our fingers crossed that might happen. Pat McKenna is, uh, is one of the best mini friends anybody could ever have. There is more Our Auto Expert on the way. Go get your boardwalk right now. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the Northwest, the Southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. That has a throttle. We'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, and on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles. So into the studio today, drove the uh, Cadillac CT5. As America declines uh, in purchasing sedans, Cadillac brings out some of their best sedans ever, and the CT5 is definitely uh, topping off that list. Joining us on the phone is Megan Quinn, uh, Cadillac's marketing manager. Boy, this thing is so much fun. I can't wait to drive the more performance-oriented versions of these vehicles. But the CT5 for 2021 definitely has some get-up-and-go. It has some high-end luxury performance. I can't wait till Super Cruise gets in the uh, later versions of this vehicle. Uh, It's just hands-on, beautiful, absolutely perfect drive. And as most people are thinking, "Mm, I'll go to an SUV, I'm thinking, "Mm, I'll go to a sedan after driving this. Um, hi, Nick. That is so great to hear. I, I, I was really interested in your driving impressions, and, and that's about the best thing that we could ask for. Um, the car that you're driving now with the 3-liter um, twin-turbo V6 is a very powerful um, uh, a very powerful option, um, although it's not a V-series. It's, it's pretty close um, in terms of power that you're experiencing, so I agree. It's very fun to drive. I um, I think I told you before, I, I drove that car cross country from Michigan to Santa Fe, New Mexico um, in August with two um, friends that were both six feet and above and a huge dog. And we were both, we were all very comfortable in the car. Um, very fun to drive, but also very comfortable and refined and um, really suitable for that amount of passengers at that height. <laughs> it does make me do two things that I probably shouldn't do. One is I drive it in sport mode more than I should, which means I'm of course. sucking up gas all the time, which, you know, isn't probably the best economy in the world. But the second thing it makes me do is misjudge the gaps in traffic. When I say misjudge, I'm like, oh, I can make that. <laughs> so, you know, where you, you know, you might not be driving something. I have a, I own a V8 and a four cylinder, and mm-hmm. um, the, the V8's a big, heavy vehicle, so you don't judge the traffic that much. But a four-cylinder, a personal four-cylinder, you know, I don't make that judgment that often. But now I look, go, yeah, I can easily make that. Boom, I'm out. <laughs> and that sort of thing. And it, it does that sometimes. Sometimes you're thinking, oh, that wasn't very adult. <laughs> that wasn't a very adult decision. <laughs> and people look over to you go, idiot. You know, just because you can. So, yeah, it brings, it brings out the teenager in me sometimes. Um, I don't think it's, you know, it makes me a dangerous driver, or my spouse might disagree. It makes me a dangerous driver, but uh, it definitely makes me, you know, a little more aggressive because I can. I can do that. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. good. I think the, the other thing about Cadillac, and I, 
I would say the design team has gone in a slightly different direction. I mean, I don't know what the name of the color is. I didn't look at the key fob because usually when you put the little tag on the key fob, you put a lot of information about the car. So as journalists, we can look at it. But this dark plum purple metallic color of the car, I don't see anyone else doing those sort of things in this, these no. beautiful colors. And the design really accentuates some options of colors. You have some greens, you have some purples. Um, and nobody else is doing that sort of thing. We do have a lot of great exterior color options. The color that you happen to be driving is Garnet Metallic. Um, it's the same color as the CT4 that I'm currently driving. Uh -huh. And I don't know if you feel like this, but I can't go out of the house if I have a bad hair day because people want to stop and talk to me <laughs> about the car all the time. Right. <laughs> you have to be on your best behavior because you're attracting attention wherever you go. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, people do look at the, look at the car a lot more, and I think that face, that face is evolving. Uh, where whereas before, people immediately recognize it. Oh, yeah, it's a Cadillac, and they turned away. Whereas now, it's like, oh yeah, it's a Cadillac. It's a lot more. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot more dynamic. It's it gives you a young, fresher feeling. It gives people. I mean, Cadillac has evolved too. You're always evolving the design. Um, when I noticed a lot of times when I go to vehicle presentations and I talk to automakers and one of the, they have some key phrases that they always rely on. And the key phrases actually bug me an awful lot. And one of them is it's fun to drive. I mean, it's probably in every single press release. And I, I get over it. Like, do you have like a template where it has fun to drive in there before you even start writing about the car? The other one is it fits in as a member of the family. And I don't want it to fit in as a member of the family. I don't want everyone to glance over and go, yeah, he drives a Kia or yeah, he drives a you know Hyundai or yeah, he drives. A... I want it to like, wow, that's a Cadillac. You know, I want people to feel like that because they're surprised that that's what Cadillac did. And I think you did that with the new Escalade and you did that with the CT5. You know, people look over and they're surprised that that's what it is because it doesn't look, you know, it doesn't look like they expected it. that's what the Cadillac CT5 to look like. And I think that's what happened with this. Yes, it does have the lines of a Cadillac, but people are surprised that that's what the car is. I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like that? Oh, did we lose her? I think we did. <laughs> she was like, oh, Nick's doing the show on his own. And uh, she checked out. Uh, but I do feel like that. Absolutely. When you talk about when you look at that car and you, and you look at the front end and people get surprised. And the headlights, too. When you look at the CT5 headlights, they are they don't look. I mean, I'm, I'm actually standing at the window of the of the Our Auto Expert Studios looking out onto the parking lot. I'm looking across at uh, an older the, the car that's parked nearest to the CT5, which I drove to the studio, the car that's parked nearest to the CT5 is a, um, a an older Mazda sedan. And the headlights are probably five or six times as thick. And the CT5 headlights are almost look like maybe three, three fingers, four, three fingers, six. Sorry, we lost you there. Um, I know it. I don't know what happened. I was going on and on. I was telling you a fun story and you didn't hear any of it. <laughs> oh, and I was going on and on too. So we were both talking. Uh, Megan Quinn back, uh, back with us. Uh, she is the Cadillac marketing manager. I was just saying when I, I want people to, you know, not use the, 
the analogy that it fits into the member of the family because I want people mm-hmm. to be surprised that that's a Cadillac, fa- you know, a, a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the CT5 does. And I'm standing out here looking at the Our Auto Expert window uh, out of the studio and looking at a Mazda, an older Mazda that's parked next to it. And the older Mazda has headlights that are maybe five times as thick um, in, in horizontal size. It has thin headlights. And it just mm-hmm. looks sleek and sharp and, you know, all, almost like they're slits in a helmet of, of a superhero. I mean, just the mm-hmm. whole design is completely turned upside down. And it looks, I mean, I, I would tell you, if you took the Cadillac badge off, maybe I would recognize it as a Cadillac because of the grill, but definitely not because of the lights. I mean, it looks, you know, like a superhero car. Yeah, I I love to see the lights in the dark. If I um if it's dark and all I can see is is headlights, I can tell um immediately if I have a Cadillac behind me because we um they are distinctive like a superhero. I love that expression. I also love that we elicited such an emotional response from you driving the vehicle because that's really what a sedan stands for is it stands for what how does it make you feel and clearly it makes you feel like a a superhero of of sorts and um something that you're really excited to drive i also agree that fun to drive down plays the extent of the driving experience it's just such a engaging driving experience and I like the word expressive design. I see a lot of journalists use expressive design to describe our sedans now, and, and that's a term I can get behind. I, I I believe that we do have an expressive design, so I feel like that resonates really well. I'm going to steal that, by the way. Sorry if someone else has used it. I like, I like that idea of expressive design. I think the other thing is, too, Cadillac has always been a brand I wanted to love, and sometimes there was cars that I loved, and sometimes there's, there wasn't. But just the, the latest few vehicles that came out are ve- definitely vehicles I could get behind. Like They're more and more, especially with the Escalade and now the CT4 and CT5, they're more, and I'm waiting for the Lyric, obviously, but they're more and more cars that I can love, and there's sort of this new era of fun and excitement and very modern, and just equipping them with all this technology technology these bigger screens this more tech things i didn't expect it's sort of a a very new era it's just a shame that everybody thinks suvs are the complete answer when i get into something like this and i'm like wow this is what i wished everybody just drove and then went oh yeah because suvs you can't corner like you can corner in the ct5 exactly i I discovered very early into the launch process that you really have to drive the car to understand its personality. It's just, it's so much different than an SUV and it, it really gets that response that you just described. As soon as you drive it, you just feel like, well, this is the car I want to drive um, just because it makes me feel the way that I feel confident. Um, like I can pass this guy that's holding me up. Um, so uh, you're, you're feeling all of the right things. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I was really curious about your driver impressions. So I love talking cars with you. I'll do it anytime. Well, I get it's my birthday this week. And oh, on happy th- birthday. Uh, thank you. And on Thursday, I get the CT4V. And so I hope I feel the same way. You know what the answer is, though? I have the perfect answer for, for everybody in America. The answer is wagons. We just can't get anybody behind them. Yeah. <laughs> wagons. You get, <laughs> you, get the, you get the drive of a sedan and you get the room of an SUV, but nobody will get behind a wagon in America. Just can't yeah. get anybody interested. We, 
We we um, hear that a lot, especially from B-series owners, because we did have a B-series wagon that we didn't produce very many of them, but it was really popular. So now if you can find one, they're, I mean, if somebody looks one. one for yeah. sale, it's gone in a minute. Megan Quinn from Cadillac. She's the marketing manager. Go drive the CT5. I think it'll surprise you. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, uh, read insider car stories, and see our video about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. It uh, usually takes me about six months to decide I want to buy something, but it took me less than 24 hours of driving the uh, new Jeep Wrangler 392 to tell I wanted one, although did get in trouble with the little exhaust button because it makes a lot of noise. And my spouse was like, no, turn it off. You're scaring the neighbors. Uh, but here to talk to all us about this, uh, probably most powerful Jeep, I think, ever that has been a production version is Jim Morrison from Jeep. So, Jim, when you took it home, and I presume you've had the opportunity to take one home, did you get in huge trouble with your significant other for uh, making lots of noise on the farm? <laughs> You're right. It is all about the button. <laughs> it, it is all about the button. The... Uh, We've actually, I, I had one for about the last six months, so I've been fine-tuning it with uh, with the engineers, and and uh, and part of that exact uh, rumble and exhaust note is is part of the fun uh, about uh, having one of those things because you push the uh, active exhaust button and it's completely quiet. You know, it sounds like a normal Jeep. It's recognized as a normal Jeep, but then uh, you uh, you let the uh, the the horses loose, and you got you know 470. Uh, pound feet of torque and and uh, and all of the uh, crazy sounds you could ever make. The best is actually when you bounce it up against the rev limiter when you're blasting through the sand, and uh, and it sounds incredible. I haven't had a chance to um, off-road it in true off-road style, uh, but I can imagine only can you know imagine what it sounds like walking up a rock face. It I, I think this is probably what a lot of the off-road guys have been waiting for. Uh, to to use all of this power going up a rock face. But the great thing is, of the many off-road vehicles that I've driven doing some some good off-roading or some good mudding or some good snow driving, it is great on-road as well. I mean, you didn't sacrifice anything in the latest version of the Wrangler on-road because so many of those great off-road vehicles are just so uncomfortable on-road. But it, it's great. It, it drives on-road just comfortably and corners well and is not uncomfortable. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, engine um, is, is a lot of the story, but the drivability is, is a really big uh, part of the story as well. The new Fox shocks you put under that thing, you know, the uh, guys tuned it amazingly with, uh, with how uh, the, uh, the uh, vehicle handles. I've actually got one in the uh, driveway with 35s now, but it, it's uh, it's a really nice uh, combination. You can drive it hard in the corners, you can drive it hard on the in the highway, and uh, and it's really uh, a nice daily driver. But then you take it out into the trails, and it's got uh, more uh, torque than you ever know what to do with. 
and, and, it, uh, and you can do it in a really fun way. It's interesting that when you measure it up against the 6 V6, it's actually got 40%, it's 40% faster than the V6. And that's, it's not just a little step. It's not, oh, 17%. I mean, it's 40% faster. That's a lot of numbers. Yeah, it is. I mean, zero to 60 in a Wrangler in uh, four and a half seconds is, uh, is really incredible territory. In fact, you can you can really uh, trick a lot of your neighbors with uh, with that one too because they just don't expect you know when you pull onto the highway that uh, you know, you're going to be halfway down the road before uh, before they even look for you twice uh, because it's just got so much uh, uh, torque it just it just flies it does if you can imagine it does it a quarter of a mile in 13 seconds yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. That's pretty ridiculous. Uh, and and apart from the fact that every other automaker is trying to uh, play the Jeep Wrangler game now, it's still the most accessorizable vehicle on the market, and it's still you're still able to take something with all of this horsepower, all of this torque, all of the zero to sixty mile an hour speed, and customize it for your own personal adventure. Well, that's part of the uh, the best uh, part of the Jeep community is. You know, we listen to them, and they've been telling us, hey, throw a V8 back in this thing, uh, but make sure that you can customize it. We want to put lifts, and we want to put, um, you know, bigger tires. Like I said, I've been running one with uh, with 35s here now, now for a bit. They want to be able to customize the sound, so we've got that with the exhaust. Uh, but it, it's all the, the really cool things that you get, you know, when you've got 80 years of customers you know, um, making it part of their life. And when we listen to them, we really pride ourselves in staying connected to our Jeep community, you know, just coming off of Moab. Uh, lots of uh, crazy ideas and some really good ones, you know, from listening to our customers. And uh, this is one of the things that they were bang on with. They uh, they were right. It was the right thing to do. And I think you didn't take away... Yeah, you didn't take away a lot of stuff too. Um, and you sort of added more parts. Now you can get the half doors now on this thing. But you didn't take away things like the water fording, 32.5 uh, uh, inches water fording. It's still, it can still do a lot of the things that the regular angler can do. Um, so you're not limited in off-roading. It just gives you that extra power uh, for the vehicle. These uh, presumably are now being produced out of Ohio, so American-built, and they're uh, hopefully arriving. Is there any limitations um, because of, of chips, or we can still get hold of them? You know, we can still get a hold of them. We're, uh, we're doing a good job with uh, the plant in, uh, in Toledo. Is working overtime you know, for us to keep up with uh, Wrangler and Gladiator. Um, because uh, I need to thank those people. They're working really hard to keep up with the demand. This is the the, uh, the best time of the year. Everyone can't wait to get uh, into summer, you know. And and uh, quite frankly, with uh, with all the COVID stuff that the country's been dealing with, you know, everybody wants to be free. So what better, you know, vehicle to have in your driveway than a Wrangler? You know, take the doors and the top off, and uh, you know, enjoy the open air freedom, or or go out to your best uh, fishing spot and enjoy the adventure. But it's time to. Get out. You can do all the social distancing you ever needed to in our angler. Yeah, I love the idea. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you tomorrow because I'll obviously be there in, uh, in Austin to drive the new uh, Jeep, first Jeep plug-in hybrid vehicle, uh, which uh, I'm excited to do. We'll have more about that coming up. But uh, you can also get your uh, brand new uh, Jeep 392 with 11 of the premium features. So you want to head to your Jeep dealer, just go test drive it. I mean, you'll be sold like I am. Now I've got to work out uh, how I get it into the garage without somebody noticing. It's a good thing i got a big garage. So. <laughs> 
It's uh, that same button that we started the in conversation on. Push yeah. the button and you can sneak your aid in. Yeah, I just yeah. have to put it at the back of the garage and say, hey, this has been there for all the time. Oh, it's a long-term loan, sweetie. Don't worry about it. Uh, that's what, yeah, that, and that's, then offer up. Offer yeah. up a drive, and, and uh, they'll be sold, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jim Morrison from Jeep. Thank you, sir. We'll see you tomorrow. It's always good to have you on the show. I'm super excited um, about uh, driving the floor by you tomorrow. Our auto expert. More to come. Stand by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert radio show on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. He's an independent analyst, and he is also readable in the street and seeking alpha. He is also an independent investor. Anton Wallman uh, joins us to talk about some of the latest automotive news as far as investing, autonomous driving, and electric vehicles are concerned. In Europe, after a quiet first quarter, Volkswagen has resumed mass deliveries of the ID4. So, Anton, they seem to be one of the predominant forces in Europe now. How's it going for them? Yeah, so the Volkswagen Group is uh, really uh, taking the lead in European deliveries of pure electric cars. There was a huge frenzy back in November, December to meet the quotas for 2020. And then things turned kind of quiet in in the first quarter. But we're now seeing here in April that uh, Volkswagen is back in the game with the ID4 in particular. And, of course, it is being joined by its sister vehicles, first of all, the Skoda ENIAC, which in on these shores here in North America, uh, we will not be seeing. Of course, Skoda does not participate, but under the skin, it's really the same vehicle. And as you know, uh, Nick, earlier this um, week, uh, Audi unveiled their Q4 e-tron, which is uh, going to be the Audi version, which is entering production also uh, right about now. And we'll be seeing it here in U.S. dealerships come uh, October or November. Um, looking forward to seeing that. How much different is it going to be from the ID4? Price-wise? Well, uh, I, mean, be, uh, I mean, it'll yeah, be no, tuned, the, tuned differently, right? Yeah, it'll be tuned a little differently, but it's fundamentally the same size, same basic shape with all of the uh, design elements, of course, that the regular person won't necessarily think it is the same vehicle. But under the skin, it's fundamentally the same motors and battery and so forth. Uh, but, of course, Audi's uh, much higher-end interior than you would see inside the um, uh, Volkswagen ID4. Um, looking forward to seeing that. Do you think it's going to do well for Audi? I think their, uh, you know, the e-tron was really good, but the e-tron was quite a high-priced vehicle. Uh, this is sort of a, a step between the Q5 uh, PHEV, and, of course, it's all electric, but a step between the Q5 PHEV and uh, the e-tron for them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really a far lower cost version of the existing e-tron. That's really what we're talking about. Uh, you're getting here a platform where uh, cost and weight has been taken down quite considerably. So this thing will start at around $45,000, will come as standard with a rear-wheel drive only, and then with all-wheel drive, of course, we'll have... Oh, 
and we lost Anton. Uh, looking, you know, they only announced this about a, a week ago or so, the Audi Q4 e-tron, and I know several of our listeners have been super excited waiting for that to uh, appear, uh, the Q5 e-tron. So we'll look forward to that happening. We'll get Anton back on the line, uh, unveiled uh, for U.S. customers, uh, and hopefully arriving at the fourth quarter of uh, 2021 for them, uh, around $45,000 before tax incentives. So if you want it kitted up, you should be getting it around $45,000 after tax incentives to uh, low 50s as well. Um, and that is just one of multiple electric cars that are going to be available in the U.S. at the end of this year, including the uh, Ionic 5 and 6, the EV6 from Kia as well. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Lyric being unveiled this week from Cadillac. I started to look into some of these and you wouldn't believe the huge list of electric vehicles that is coming in even just being revealed in the next week or so uh, it is pretty jaw-dropping from american car companies uh, the list or world car companies of the list of electric vehicles that is starting to appear the id4 and the each the marquee were sort of the two big ones in the last six months but i will tell you the list is going to be about 30 vehicles uh, nissan aria and a bunch more that will be on the market by the end of the year and i think monday you will see uh, a new toyota a new subaru coming all electric vehicle um, there's new lexus vehicles coming uh, the list is just unbelievably long and and that's in this week i mean earth day is the time where everybody unveils unveils their new electric vehicles it is absolutely astounding the, the number of new vehicles that are coming in just the next four weeks alone that you will get to see uh, that are absolutely uh, unbelievable. All right, let's, uh, Anton, let's talk about the U.S. government. It uh, looks increasingly likely to follow Europe's policies of increasing taxes on gasoline and diesel vehicles in order to subsidize electric vehicles. Uh, when do we think this is going to happen and how severe do you think it's going to be? Yeah, so I think this is uh, being debated heavily in Washington now, where all of these proposals, trial balloons, you can call them, are being thrown out there in these various budget proposals. But they range from uh, simply making EV rebates uh, available for far many, many more vehicles. $100 billion at $7,000 apiece would make for 14.3 million vehicles and some are proposing $10,000 per vehicle uh, at, and at a point-of-sale rebate as opposed to a tax credit. So uh, one of these proposals or some combination thereof is likely, are likely to make themselves through in terms of, uh, you know, eventually getting through Congress. So uh, clearly it's going to become more advantageous to buy an electric vehicle starting perhaps later this year when these proposals may have passed in some form or the other, probably within a few short months from now. Do you think it's probably a wise decision to wait for them to come through before you buy an electric vehicle? Well, as it stands right now, General Motors and Tesla have exhausted their EV rebates, right? Their EV tax credits. So you're not getting one with those today. But if any of these proposals pass, then clearly those two manufacturers in particular will be facing dramatically better terms for the consumer uh, all the other manufacturers essentially are at $7,500 per vehicle today, and those terms may also improve, but particularly for anybody who might be in the market for a General Motors or Tesla vehicle, uh, they would be well advised to wait a few months, and they're going to probably get a much, much lower de facto net price on their purchase. 
Uh, speaking of increasing prices, uh, you have been saying uh, for the last six months that uh, you know they are skyrocketing inflation in you know as far as costs are concerned for more raw materials and refined products of all kinds, uh, labor, uh, car prices going up a lot more than uh, than before uh, for used cars as well. So what's the plan? What, you know, car prices going up, but these rebates may be happening. Where does the picture look for car prices and availability? What's the whole outlay over the next couple of years? Well, raw materials costs are increasing and the various components and sub-assemblies are also therefore increasing in price and labor is increasing in price. All of the costs are going through the roof. We see it in the used car pricing. Historically, used car prices have increased at a rate of an annualized 15 to 2%. But in the last month or so, in just in the March read in the, during the first quarter here, the year-over-year increase was 26%. I mean, these are a decimal point jump in the cost structure for these used cars. And th that, of course, reflects the realities on the market, which is to say uh, fewer supplies out there. And then, of course, people getting sent checks left and right. And uh, so you have monetary inflation and supply shortages. And clearly, the result of that is just higher prices. So this is we're nowhere near the end of the cycle. And it, we're going to be seeing for many, many more months, if not many years to come, dramatic increases in the cost of purchasing new and used vehicles. So the time to buy is going to be very, very important, right? Yeah, I think that anybody who thinks that they're going to be in the market for a new vehicle within the next year or so uh, is probably well advised to move quicker rather than later. Uh, and that's pretty sad because already today, you look at inventories among the dealers out there, uh, just drive around and look at the, what's going on at the dealers. There used to be hundreds and hundreds of cars in some places, and now, oh, they're like, 10, 20 sad ones sitting there, if even that. So you can see where the supply-demand uh, uh, ratio is starting to tip over completely. Maybe uh, ordering your vehicle is probably the better way to do it. Uh, we're getting even closer to the biggest and most profitable automaker, Toyota, unveiling their first proper uh, electric vehicle. And, of course, Cadillac doing, uh, not Cadillac, yeah, Cadillac doing that tomorrow as well. Uh, that's, there's so many unveils coming in the next week. Absolutely. We're over the next days and weeks here, Nick. I think we're going to see this you know, as if the onslaught hadn't been pretty dramatic anyway over the last nine months. Uh, I mean, we're really hitting a fever pitch now in terms of new and very important vehicles when you think about it. Right? When, whether it's Cadillac or Toyota, I mean, the largest automaker in the world, Toyota, has never really had a proper from the ground up global center of market pure electric vehicle offering. They had a couple of these feeble attempts, low volume, specialty gear, you know, very limited in geography or in other, uh, you know, aspects. And I think that at some point here, Toyota will come up with a flurry of center of market, all electric vehicles. And uh, I think we should be seeing some of those before the end of 2022 in terms of being on the road. Some might say that that's late, but nevertheless, we're now in 2021. And that probably means that we will be seeing more of these in the, you know, not in the not too distant future. 
All right. So there's a whole slew of new electric vehicles about to appear. We know about a whole bunch of them from Kia, from Hyundai, from Nissan. Uh, there is a whole list that we know are coming. There is a whole list yet to be announced. And uh, it looks like a lot more electric vehicles on the cards. Anton Walmart is an independent analyst and investor. You can read his stuff at The Street and Seeking Alpha. There is probably The Street and Seeking Alpha. There is probably nobody who is better informed about the autonomous, the electric car industry, and the internal workings of uh, government as when it comes to Europe and uh, many of the uh, laws and regulations when it comes to electric and autonomous vehicles. Uh, you can do that. Still to come on the show, let's talk about Washington State, a race to get ahead of California to ban gasoline cars and EV rollout with a huge investment in sustainable U.S. power grids. That's coming up on our Auto Expert Standby. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people have downloaded our Auto Expert podcast and many more streamers join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I am Nick Miles and this is our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news from our Auto Expert. Uh, it's interesting to note that during several days of brutal cold in Texas, the city of Austin saw its fleet of 12 new electric buses rendered uh, inoperative by by a statewide power outage. The problem will be magnified next year when officials plan to start purchasing electric-powered vehicles exclusively. The city transit agency has budgeted $650 million over 20 years for electric buses and uh, a charging facility for 187 such vehicles. But officials are still trying to solve the dilemma of power interruptions like the Texas freeze. Redundancy and resiliency when it comes to power is something we have long understood and will be an issue, said uh, Capital Metro spokesman Jenna Maxfield. Now, Austin's uh, predicament highlights the challenge uh, facing government utilities and auto manufacturers as they respond to climate changes. More electric cars will require both charging infrastructure as greater electric grid capacity happens. Uh, utilities and power generator, uh, generators will have to invest billions of dollars creating that additional capacity uh, while also facing the challenge of uh, really fossil fuels and renewable energy sources declining. Extreme weather events add additional layers of difficulty and it's very difficult for people in places that want to go green to get away from the elements rolling back during California's heat wave uh, last year as they did those power blackouts has prompted a lot of state officials to look about their utilities and emergency charging uh, for vehicles that the city operates. It's become very difficult for them to look at how to charge vehicles which are city operated. Uh, states plan an aggressive uh, phase out of sales of gasoline vehicles and power vehicles, power cars and trucks by 2035. But where does it leave everybody if the power grid is shut down, uh, which is 
a difficult question for a lot of people, and there is no redundancy plan. Vast increases in electric grid capacity uh, is going to be a huge problem, and this is why many people are reconsidering buying electric vehicle. The power and transportation sectors combined make up more than half of U.S. global greenhouse gas emissions, uh, which is, again, another problem. Their simultaneous, their simultaneous greenhouse uh, gas considered to be a big problem for U.S. Uh, world climate and world climate change. And uh, China has even more obligations to step in and address their global climate change. So it's a difficult problem that nobody seems to ha come up with to reduce fossil fuels worldwide. But we may not have found the answer. A modern utility with uh, I would say two to three million customers who needs to invest a hundred and one thousand seven hundred to five thousand eight hundred million dollars in an EV infrastructure by 2030 is going to be really stuck when it comes to let's say turning off electricity or electricity being turned off by something like a mass freeze out. Now, when it comes to cities like Washington State, uh, the Washington State legislature has passed a clean car 2030 bill, which would require that by 2030, all new light duty vehicles sold or registered in the state be electric, with the exception of emergency vehicles. It's uh, signed into law. If it, if it is signed into law by Jay Inslee, the bill would become the most pro-EV measure adopted by by any state in the country, including California's uh, executive action that uh, envisions a similar phase out by 2035. Among the differences, of course, is that the Washington state bill would carry the force of law, whereas California's executive action by Gov Governor Gar uh, Gavin Newsom is a far weaker measure and relies just on a direct uh, Clean Air Resources Board, the CARB, uh, to adopt the agency ruling by that time frame. The Washington state bill was passed by a vote of 54 to 43 in the state House and 25 to 23 in the state Senate and now awaits the governor's signature. However, the measure itself is not an automatic ban, as it might seem, uh, for one thing, I think it has a contingent among 75% of the vehicles in the state being subject to a road usage charge in a separate event which uh, has yet to take place. The measure would also be an alternative to a gasoline tax, effective, effectively charging drivers per mile uh, traveled rather than at the gas pump and must be uh, in enacted through a separate piece of legislation. Another limit fa a limiting factor is that the bill applies only to light duty vehicles, so it is uh, by no means an all-inclusive measure. It's difficult to know whether the answers are correct or incorrect. Uh, if you have a comment or a thought about this, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Our auto expert, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T on any of the social media channels, Instagram, uh, Facebook or uh, Twitter. Tell us if you think the answer is to force Americans to go to electric power or whether it should be done financially by offering Americans money or whether you should just let Americans be and let climate 
go the way it goes naturally. Uh, once a road usage charge or equivalent fee or tax base on a vehicle miles traveled is in effect in the state of Washington with at least 75% of registered vehicles or registered passenger vehicles or light duty vehicles in the state participating, then the goal is to establish the state uh, as a publicly owned or privately owned uh, passenger vehicles or light duty vehicles uh, model by 2030. So Washington is by far uh, uh, aggressively attacking it, but there's a lot of things that need to take place well before that bill can go into effect. The other thing is a lot of the people who have never driven an electric vehicle or had fun in it, electric vehicles could be a lot more fun to drive. And as we've seen with the new Mercedes-Benz EQS, it doesn't take that long to charge. 15 minutes can give you 150 miles of range in the vehicle on a level two. That's uh, level two charges everywhere. Outside uh, my local Target, there's a level two. So plug it in, go into Target, grab a few things, come out. In 15 minutes, it can have 150 miles of charge on a level two. That's not bad. That's pretty good. All right, if you've enjoyed this show, there are uh, over 140 podcasts available at our auto expert, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T.com. Uh, you can go online, download the shows, just scroll down to podcasts. You can see the videos from our TV stations around the country. They are all there. Watch videos of car reviews, watch some of the latest news, or read the articles from our, our auto expert team. They're all online from car reviews, everything from RVs and trailers, all to the latest cars and information about those vehicles coming out. Some great news articles as well. We've enjoyed having you along with the show. We'll be back again next week to give you more of the latest information, vehicles and updates on our auto expert. See you then. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.